Well, we're back. We're back. <laughs> Had to fake it because Nick wasn't recording the first time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we are talking about today. I know every single week I say, "What episode are we on?" Uh, yeah. I know. I, th- I think I know. I'm just. I actually don't know. Uh, but I forgot what I ate for breakfast this morning. So we're just not going to do that little bit. And again. how old are you? I'm 23. That's that doesn't bid well for you when yeah. you get to 38 like me. Yeah, spiritually 94. No, <laughs> there's like a ranking you can actually look up on the Babylon uh, Babylon B. So is that right? Yeah. There's also a clock that will tell you when you're supposed to die. <laughs> well, the death clock. That's actually freaky. I wouldn't even. <laughs> would you want to know? No. When you die? Yeah. No, no. I'd be. I'm an overthinker. We were just talking about that. So I would. Oh man, that would be terrible. I feel like I'd die. I'm going to die really weird. Like it's uh, not going to be a normal death. Well, a number of years ago, actually, when I first came here, I did a series called 30 Days to Live. <sighs> and, uh, and, and I brought up the death clock. And I found out later that a number of people were going on the website while I was preaching to find out when, when oh. they had to answer all these questions. And then it tells you how old you'll be or what year it will be and you'll die. What? And... And I kind of gave a reverse effect to what I was trying to accomplish uh, with just with freaking it. Freaking out, like I gotta go tell someone I love them. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's it's like man, if you did, I mean, it's a mm-hmm. great concept. If you knew you only had thirty days to live, how would you live it? Mm. You know, the last thirty days of your life, every day would have purpose. Every day you'd be thinking about eternity and what's beyond this life, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah, I think that that's that has the opposite effect. I think again with we live in a time now where it feels like it's the end times but if that were the case why aren't why is it almost that people are now reserved and holding close to their lives if this were the end times or wouldn't you want to make the most of it but you see people hiding in their houses or or you know in just in constant fear like there's a lot of fear mongering going on in the media and politics are pushing it uh, culture is selling fear and people are consuming it like crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, fear, th- God did not give us a spirit of fear. Um, and so we know that anytime we have fear, it's from the devil. Yeah. And and I'll hear people say, well, I got the fear of heights. That's from the devil. Hmm. Uh if it's a fear, it's one thing. <laughs> I know <laughs> <that> just... <laughs> I'm very afraid of heights. And so he just kind of like looks at me like it's the Holy Spirit moment. Yeah. There. It, it, well, it's any fear. Like there's a respect that you have for heights. Mm-hmm. And I think people with fear. Well, I got a respect for heights. No, fear is what literally shuts you down. It yeah. keeps you from experiencing things. And I think when the pandemic hit, um, the fear of death, I mean, there's really uh, two questions. And in fact, on Easter, I'm answering, uh, I'm addressing kind of the questions. One is, why is there evil? If there's a God, why is there evil in the world? Um, Which is a very simple question to answer. And then the the next one is this fear of death. Um, You know, when you're someone who lives in a nation where death is all around you or there isn't a lot of prosperity around you, it's almost like there's a greater hope for something beyond this place or some, but when you live in the prosperity we live in, it's like, we want to hold on Mm -hmm. to this world and we don't even want to think about death. 
until it comes to a funeral or just recently someone who passed away was killed in a car accident in Lakeville close to here, Mm -hmm. a young teenage girl. And it, man, it just makes you aware of the fact that life doesn't go on forever, that this world is passing away and, and, uh, it it's causes us to stop and really evaluate are we living for eternity or are we living for something that's just really passing away you know there's i i watch i love watching documentaries and there's one on netflix it's how to become a tyrant now this is not because i want to I'm trying to take notes or right. anything, but it's just interesting. I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, like, what, what, why are you watching these guys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the imposter pastor. <laughs> no, there is. So the I just love like uh, war history and um, and just U.S. history and all that stuff and and why things the way they they are uh, are the way they are. I don't know. That's proper grammar. Um, but there was all these like dictators it was going through and it went like all detailed to how they rose to power, uh, what strategy they used. And every single time I just was thinking this is literally the opposite of how the kingdom operates or how Jesus operated when he came here. The most powerful man took the lowest position. Uh, he was a king, but then accepted death. He So it was all these these opposites, but then these these leaders, the one thing that I noticed, and they'll tell you, like in the documentary, to seize power, they have to uh, have widespread fear because they can, they can control the population that is upset with them. So that was either some would engage in wars that weren't really needed. They just would start a war uh, because there was a popularity vote that was, you know, going through the floor. And so they started a war to have people rely on a strong and confident leader or they would, there was people like Saddam Hussein and, and uh, Pol Pot that would just do these, these terrible murders and, and torture tactics and, and to create widespread fear from speaking out against the government. And, uh, and I think I'll, because of that, like the enemy has made us prisoners. And that's a matter of fact, in a book we just read for staff, it's, it's made us prisoners and we're, we're marching in the horde of, of the enemy and not uh, battling uh in the Lord's army because we're so subscribed to fear and we bow down to it that we're just, we're apathetic as Christians, just uh, punching our ticket till we get to, to heaven. Like this world is, we're just throwing away our life because we're scared of death. Yeah. You know, you're, you were talking about that and it was funny because I mean, I think we see that in Putin and what's going on right now and in, mm-hmm. in the Ukrainian war. Um, but when you were talking about that, I thought, wow, the, uh, like almost a word came to me. And this is nothing of what we're talking about today, but it's a great thought. I wonder how many homes where parents are more tyrants than mm. they are kings. Interesting. You know, they, they rule by fear and their kids obey by fear and, and, and rather than obeying by love hmm. and... You know, I think we live in a pretty permissive society right now, and so I don't know how true that is, but I know in my day and age, uh, there was a lot of, you know, parenting that was one way, and I think in some ways the pendulum has gone the other way completely. Yeah. And we got to get back to the that center. But, yeah, it's a great, great point. Yeah, it's, um, I think there's such a, you know, this is what I always go to. I... <laughs> Um, talking about, 
you know, end times and, and different things. Mm-hmm. We were, I was, remember I was having a conversation with something because the vaccines and the, the mask mandates and all that stuff, especially when the church was closing down, there was so much, I was so sick and tired of it because it felt like I, you could offend any person yeah. with, uh, out without trying. It was when people came in person, I remember like attending for the first time, there was like this excitement, but then there was also this wariness to be like, okay, are you offended if I reach out for a handshake? I remember yeah. one time I, I had these kids come up to me and, and they were like trying to give me a hug. And then I looked to their mom and I'm like, is this okay? And she was offended that I was cautious. But then on the other hand, I'm, I'm handshaking someone and they were offended that I went for a handshake but then I get people offended that I went for a, like a an elbow bump because they're like, "What you think I'm sick or something? Yeah. Are you scared of this? Or we have to take a stand?" And like, so it's, there's all this fear, and it, it, it's so obvious how people are like, you know, the government and politics and media is controlling and pitting uh, people against each other. But then you look back at the terrible deaths and persecution that Christians and the early church went through. No rights. Uh, literally put into um, arenas facing wild animals being ripped apart, pulled into, sawed in half. Uh, But we are frustrated and we think it's the end of the world when we have to put a piece of cloth over our face. Right. I I think that was pretty graphic there. Um, I think it's easy to, I think it's, (laughs) I think it's pretty easy to lose sight of that fact. You, I mean, that's an incredible point. Uh, we have been so blessed in a society that has not seen that gruesome type of persecution mm-hmm. uh, in our country. It is happening around the world in many different places, but not here. I mean, um, you know, I was in Burkina Faso and there are people being killed. The, the reality is my grandfather was a pastor and he said, the coming of the Lord is nigh. You know, mm-hmm. the, if you've been raised in the church, you've heard that the coming of the Lord is nigh. And I think every generation has said, I hope that the rapture comes before I die. I think part of that encompasses a couple of things. One, a misunderstanding of death. Hmm. Uh, One, we don't die. We're resurrected beings. Hmm. So when death comes to take us, Christ is there to take us before death can. So someone, I heard this illustration best. When you close your eye, it's like blinking. Death, that what the equivalent to a believer is, it's like blinking. You, you're here, you blink, and you're there. It, it literally is that much, that quick of a transfer that it's like a blink. In the blink of an eye. Um, I think that thought, too, because I've said that, that was a thought where I'm like, you know, it's actually um, Plato that came up with the idea. Like, it, it was a, a theology that Plato developed where it was, you know, up or down or like uh, this outweighing of good and evil. Right. And and so people are, are confused when, you know, isn't there a judgment seat before that? Is there, um, I remember hearing that in Kairos and I was like, wow, that's a good thought. And then, you, and then you're like, okay, that's not really an opinion because you see that in the Passover when they're in Egypt and the angel of death passes over their house because the hyssop or whatever is that called? Yeah. The lamb's blood was on the Israelites doors. And so they were spared uh, because the angel of death passed over the blood of the lamb, which is such a crazy thought. Then you, you, you see all these different Bible stories and uh, foreshadowing the, 
the the lamb that took away our sins. And so when we close our eyes, it's crazy to think about that or you wake up and it's, it's, uh, but the devil is so good at getting you to be afraid of that, yeah. that, that moment yeah. because he, he wants you to fear death. <clears throat> he wants you to operate in that, <clears throat> but, yeah. you know, and, and then, so we're all like, we get that. That's why the Bible says death, where is your sting? You know, because there's no sting there. Yeah, is your physical body there? Yeah, mm-hmm. but your consciousness, mm-hmm. which operates in this tent, like this is a tent. Our mm-hmm. consciousness blinks its eyes, and then boom, we're there. There was this movie. It was called Self Discovery, um, and I don't like promoting movies because then people are like, "Oh, why you watch that?" Or like, um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was this movie talking about like death and like uh, altering. I love mind bending movies. And like consciousness transferred mm-hmm. to another reality. It was big scientific like stuff, uh, but it was so interesting because it, it it was based in a world where <clears throat> if people knew that there was another plane of existence past this one, what that would do to a society in the whole entire world. So people, there was this huge pandemic like there was COVID, but it was people offing themselves. And so in the hospitals, they would have counters, they would have like uh, ads put up not to like, you know, like not to do that. And like, you know, it's really encouraging not to because one scientist was able to prove that there was brain activity past your your physical existence beyond the material. Mm -hmm. And so people were like any chance of opposition or things they faced here because they had that that tiny hope that there was something they didn't know what it was. They just would rather it just be done here. And it's crazy not to be suicidal. Um, but well, Jesus it kinda sounds that way. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> saying like, I think about, so Jesus is dropping, you know, he, he is bleeding because he's, sw- he, he's under so much stress, which is just weird to think about. I remember I get nervous before basketball games. Can't imagine that. And he still heads to the cross because the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, not just physical agony, spiritual agony, abandonment, a heart ripped in two. Like, man, I can't even imagine that literally isolated, left alone and humiliated, but endured all of that, not just, you know, dying when you sleep, endured all that and gave his life up for the joy set before him. What was Jesus going to like that? He was willing to experience that. And that was that was worth it, that type yeah. of agony. So it's like, it's cool to think about, you know, when I'm mad about, you know, I'm, I'm tired in the morning or I got, oh man, I'm, I'm really dragging today. I'm so oppressed. I feel like modern day Paul, um, you know, to think about what is set before me, what am I working towards and how exciting, like, what am I doing? Yeah, with this? I thing? mean, from the time I was a kid, you know, I heard about the end times. And so you, if you grew up in the church, it's it's a common thing. If you haven't, you've heard end of times because there's been many movies about it. So you give some idea that there's a belief out there that deals with the end of times. As a kid growing up in a Christian home, and and if you're watching, maybe you can relate with this. There but there were times we'd always hear about the rapture. Now rapture is not actually in the Bible. If you if you look in the Bible for the word rapture, you won't find it. It's actually actually a word that comes from the Latin translation of the Bible. It's found in First Thessalonians. In fact, I'm going to read that to you here. 
Um, it wasn't in the Nicolas Cage movie? No, it wasn't uh, in the Nicolas Cage movie. First Thessalonians 4.17, it says, After that, we who are still alive are left will be caught up together uh, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The word caught up is actually the word that's translated in the Latin rapture and then rapture. So as a kid, I, you know, I'd often have dreams that the rapture occurred and I didn't go in the rapture. And, and we were taught back then, if you don't behave, you know, you aren't going to heaven, you know, liars go to hell. Uh, if you, if you did something, one thing wrong, and it always seemed like I was always doing something wrong and Mm -hmm. I was going to miss the rapture. And I remember coming home a number of times and no one would be there. And I'd be like, and they're supposed to be here. But no one's here. So I, I like my mom and dad, my mom was supposed to be there and she's not there. And and so I'd take the phone. And if that was back in the day when you had the long cord and then the 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 dial and you hit the dial and then you'd call people and no one would answer. And you're thinking, oh, no, did the rapture occur? Am I left behind? I mean, a whole series of movies were created called Left Behind where where it was the craze books and all called left behind because no one wants to be left behind. Mm -hmm. And, and when you think about it in that moment, you realize that if you had any doubt that this was going to take place in that moment, it happened. It's already too late. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can say, Oh, now I believe it. I mean, it's over. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's a lot of confusion with the end times, what will happen when the end times, you know, the book of revelation mm-hmm. is titled revelation, mm-hmm. but very few people read it because it's so confusing and it seems like it should have been called mystery. You know, it, it's just, they don't understand all the symbol symbolism or is it symbolism? Yeah. And what we're finding some of it that we would have thought 30, 40, 50 years ago or a hundred years ago or or thousands of years ago where they said that's symbolism and they would have tried to come up today. It's actually reality. Hmm. And I think the best way to understand revelation is this way. And and this is something I think the Lord gave me was revelate when revelation becomes a revelation and it becomes clear, you're close. Hmm. It like when the things that you thought were symbols become real, mm-hmm. like you, it doesn't take much to, to like when John saw visions, he wasn't seeing a vision of symbols. He was seeing reality. Yeah. And when that, which we thought was symbolic, becomes a reality, it's well, close. It's like when you try to explain. I remember we did this at this. this We did a staff like disc assessment. Like it's like a leadership type thing trying to figure out our different personalities and how we operate and communicate together. And uh, and so we were trying to build this Lego um like car or something or whatever it was. And so you had a runner that would go and observe it and then you try to communicate it, um, to the next person, which they had to then communicate to the builder. And so there's this line of communication. We all communicate differently. And the, the runner, the person that's looking at the Lego, uh, and trying to translate it. So then the, the builder can build it identical to the thing he saw I know ours looked really whack. It did not yeah, look very look anything clear. Like yeah, because it's like, man, if you're seeing things that are very like, um, you know, distant or off in the future, or trying to describe things that you have no relation to, you're trying to make sense of it. It's like, how would you know? How would you fare? And so, I think for the thing too, this is the the dangerous thing that I see. Um, I think that 
and you can jump like you, you 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 tell me if I'm wrong, but I see a lot of people have a Disney princess theology, um, where we put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites and we think America is the chosen people and we think that we are a theocracy uh, when we're a democracy and we don't operate like I heard someone say that basically judgment was coming on on America with this whole Russia thing. And he was like, well, what do you think about this? Is this like the prophecy and the heads and, and different things and that's going on. And I, I, I told him, I'm like, um, I, I, I believe in prophecy and everything, but I think you're really relating stories that were meant for the Israelites and, and you're treating America like a theocracy, but we're not a, we say in God, we trust, but we're not, we're not following yeah. God. Yeah. What there's so, there's a lot there that needs yeah. to be unpacked. One, you know, Revelation was written in, when John saw that revelation, mm-hmm. he wrote it down and said, this is a revelation. God took him to that time in history mm-hmm. and showed him things that he would have struggled to comprehend mm-hmm. because they didn't exist. Yeah. The ability all over the world to see two witnesses at the temple Mm-hmm. In his mind, he would have said, "How can that even happen?" Yeah, it, they didn't know radio waves mm-hmm. at the. They had no concept of satellites exactly. in the sky. I mean, we often interpret things based on our understanding now, mm-hmm. not what their understanding was then. It would be almost impossible to comprehend as John comprehended because we've seen too much, we've experienced too much. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep that in mind when looking at the book of Revelation. He was describing what it was like when it happens. Yep. In that moment, he was just saying, this is what my eyes beheld. So as we get closer and we get we understand what he's mm-hmm. talking about, it makes more and more sense to us, okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then... When you look at the end times and you understand uh, the fact like the Antichrist and the one world order, and there's been so much out there. When you look at the scriptures, you, you really begin to dis- d- discover that the Antichrist really rules over 10 nations, not the whole world. Hmm. And three of those nations see behind the curtain and know what he's trying to do, and they actually rebel. Hmm. And what's interesting is, the Antichrist struggles to keep leadership over the ten nations. Even the seven that he has rule over, they, he, he struggles to get that. It says that, that uh, Satan himself removes the Antichrist, hmm. that there's no division in, in Satan's own army. This is the thing you need to understand, and I, I don't know why we don't hear this more. A kingdom divided against itself falls. Why does Satan always lose? Because he came to kill, steal, and destroy. The very character of Satan is destruction. It's Mm -hmm. division. It's disunity. The very disease he tries to impart into God's kingdom and the people in God's kingdom is the thing that prevents him from ever accomplishing anything because he is a divisive being. Mm -hmm. So he's going to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and what happens is during the whole point in revelation, and this is interesting is, and I, I didn't know this until just recently when, when I began to really study it again and again during the tribulation. And, and I know there are some who believe, um, that we're in the tribulation. There's some who believe that the rapture will occur in the middle of the tribulation. And then the others believe that 
the rapture or the tribulation is only three and a half years. Um, I tend to believe that it's seven year period of time. <coughs> the Bible talks about three and a half good, three and a half bad. I think they're all bad um, when you look at what happens. Um, I believe the rapture where Christ comes down, he doesn't touch his foot on ground, but the Bible says the dead in Christ rise first. Those who've died in Christ will rise. And in those who are living on earth, who are his kids, his bride, will be raptured, taken up in the sky, the Holy Ghost vacuum. And, and, and if, and, you know, when I was young, we would watch a movie called The Thief in the Night. Mm -hmm. And it was always funny because wherever the person was left, the clothes were perfectly folded on the ground to let you know a person was raptured from this place. That sounds like a name that a televangelist would come up with some type of thing. You want to guarantee your spot in heaven? Buy this for two ninety nine, <laughs> yeah, and you're getting the Holy Ghost vacuum. Like. Right. Well, it, in this movie, Thief of the Night, uh, it it would scare, it would freak you out when it, it was back in the seventies and eighties. We'd watch it in church on a Sunday night in one of those film things that go. And when you go home, man, if you were a kid, good luck trying to sleep that night. You were freaked out uh, what was happening. And anyway, uh, I showed it to a bunch of guys in my small group. They, they laughed the entire way through it. It did not have the same effect. <laughs> but mm -hmm. the, 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 the reality is, is that we'll go up, and, and, and I think personally uh, today the environment's set up for that. Uh, how do you explain millions of people disappearing on the planet? Well, there is such an there is such an appetite for terrestrial extraterrestrials mm -hmm. or uh, uh, UFOs or people from that. It'll be very easy to say, well, they came and got them, which is in some ways true. Mm -hmm. Christ came and got us. That's why we got Space Force, right, mm -hmm. to protect them for Christ. But but <laughs> Christ came and got us, man. You're you're trying to. <laughs> And during the seven-year period of the tribulation, while the earth is heaving with uh, all of this uh, tribulation and struggle on earth, in heaven, we will be celebrating the, the marriage supper of the Lamb and the first judgment for the believer, which is the judgment seat of Christ. And, you know, what happens on earth, Christ, through his, through prophets that come through evangelists that are speaking that are here on earth christ is constantly even after the rapture if you read revelation and understand what it's it really shows you that up to three days before the battle of armageddon jesus comes and pleads with them to repent hmm. to change the way they think there is in no way god trying to destroy the human race he consistently has a witness during that tribulation period. Turn from your wicked ways. Come to me. Come to me. Come. He is utterly patient during that oh, period yeah. of time. Very patient. And, and then during the same period of time, we are in heaven, the judgment seat of Christ. And this is interesting because growing up, I always thought, because uh, I was told that when we were in heaven, that there would be a video playing. And everybody... <coughs> who is in heaven would see all of the bad things we did. Hmm. Right. And, and what's incredible that about this, ha, yeah, that would exactly, which is supposed to scare us yeah. into behaving better. 
Mm. It's crazy how much in the church that I, that, that, not that my pastor is bad or the church, but, but the culture of the church I grew up in was fear-based. It was all about fearing you into things. Well, we just talked about how God didn't give us a spirit of fear, exactly. but we constantly have fear if that's the religion we're saying. Fear is what our currency is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we interpret the Bible through the this thing. And so you were supposed to behave better because everybody was going to see everything you did, and, and then you'd have to give an account for everything you did. And and when you read the Bible, it, it's pretty incredible how it really undercuts that thinking. Um, the judgment seat of Christ was to judge our works. Very specifically, says works, does not say sin. Hmm. And why? And and why is that true? Well, first of all, we Romans 6 makes it very clear. We are no longer sinners. We are, we've left the sin-sovereign country, and we've entered the grace-sovereign country, Christ owns our sin. So how is it that we're somehow giving an account to something Christ owns? Christ said, I took on your sins of the world. Mm. So it's not our sin being judged at the judgment seat of Christ. It is our works, our good and bad works. Well, that opens the door to a complete uh, another way of trying to figure out what's going on there. What is good work and what is a bad work? Aren't all good works good? I mean, if isn't it anything we do for God or in this world good? And, uh, you know, and the Bible even says that they will come before the Lord and you say, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And they'll say, well, when were you thirsty, Lord? And you gave us something. And he'll say, when you went, gave it something to drink to the least of these, is as though you gave it to me. He's really identifying what a work is, mm-hmm. <coughs> what that work is. And it's those are the up works in those two laws, right? When you're loving, your loving goes beyond. It's expressed in faith. It talks about in Galatians, and and this is a key because in Corinthians, it said it talks about really the judgment seat of Christ. Paul Paul talks about how we'll go we'll go, and what I would want you to envision is this furnace, fiery furnace, mm-hmm. and and you got your wagon, you're in eternity, got your wagon, and envision your works being gifts. You're mm-hmm. going to a mud marriage feast to your bridegroom and you're bringing all of your dowry or your works to, to the bridegroom as they would do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Paul talks about a fire, an all-consuming fire. And they brought their stubble and their hay and their sticks and their metals and their stone and their jewels and all of the stuff. And it went into the fire. <laughs> and all of the things that burned up were burnt up and when you came out the other end everything that was pure and holy and good withstood the fire mm-hmm. there is a fire that literally burns up the bad works in our life and it leaves these works that were pure so i i asked the lord one time oh lord you know what it, what are good works like, how do I know that this is good work? And my wife and I now have a joke in this because you find it in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And you really find this all in Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about this. In 1 Corinthians, it says, if I speak in the tongues of angels, but if I have not love, what you were just talking about. Yeah. It's as though I've done nothing. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I've spoken the tongues of angels. If I've given everything I have to the poor, 
but I do not have love. It's as though I haven't given anything. How is it that you haven't given anything if you gave something? Hmm. Because if you do it without love, it's going to burn up. And so my, the joke with my wife and I is, she says, because she's a pastor's wife, there are things she has to do and she doesn't want to do them. And there are things I want to do and I don't want to do them, but I do them. And I, we can, so it's a joke. He goes, it's all going to burn up. I'm going to do it, but it's going to burn up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why do I even get it? I'll do it, but yeah. that's going to burn up. I'll do it because it's expected of me, but it's going to burn up because I don't love uh, the situation. And, and it goes back to what you were saying, uh, that, that love that love for people and when we do things because we love them, not because we're trying to get something from them, not because we're a, a work that we do to get something in return, to get a name recognition, to get them to do it back to me, to get something selfishly for me is going to burn up. But what we do with no strings attached is going to be rewarded in heaven um, as a good work. The thing I remember, because I really love talking end times and there's a book you ever heard dr david jeremiah oh yeah absolutely. yeah so i read i read his book no joke even when i was in college like i would listen to it four times because there's an audio book and when i'd make my my trip or when i was doing anything i would play it because it's just so interesting it it's like a dramatization of he takes scripture and he just dramatizes it or yeah. that's a word and then he'll then he'll talk about he'll break down the scripture what he's talking about so it like really I'm I'm a story you know actually humans there's no such thing as people that are good at memorization it's just they have a better strategy which is uh, humans are able to memorize and retain uh, when they view information as a story so that's you know it's not that's for you to to think about if you oh it's up, incredible yeah, yeah stories it's, help you it's the universal language mm -hmm. but um so anyways which is why jesus told parables exactly and they had to wrestle with it and come to their own terms with it so mm -hmm. it's not just black and white so uh, i but would it, but it also referred this is way off in times but you went down this rabbit hole <laughs> you know jesus told stories which you just said helps us remember mm -hmm. the concepts over over a three-year period now how many teachings have i preached on over the last three years that you remember that weren't stories yet when jesus died the disciples were able to recall mm -hmm. many of those things because of the story that was behind it that's why the new the gospels are just packed full of stories mm -hmm. sure you have the sermon on the mount and you have a few occasions where he talks about what he's teaching about but most of it is about the stories mm -hmm. uh, that were told. I feel that like I Jesus find myself told. a lot of times like, you know, it's an annoying thing where I feel like pastors sometimes <coughs> they an they answer your question with a question, mm -hmm. and the thing I get annoyed with, I see myself when I'm leading people, I'm like, I'm doing the same thing because it's like you're not really looking for the answer. There's something else that's at work that I can't point out right now because mm -hmm. you have to come to terms with that, and so sometimes it's like. Uh, it's fun recognizing that and then putting yourself in Jesus's shoes and how he was operating this. The dude was God genius thinking that was so far past like our human concepts. It's like uh, I had someone tell me it's like going to a five year old and telling them about the like the crucifixion and, and sacrifice and sin. And so you probably say, well, uh, when you are a bad person and a good person, you know what I mean? Like it's very elementary. And then it's like, okay, explain the gospel. 
to a 10 year old, a little bit more life experience, communication and stories and events that they've experienced look different than you go to a, a teenager. Then it's a, a, a young adult that just moved out of their house. Then it's uh, old timer and, and the stories and the way you communicate changes and think about Jesus with this unlimited knowledge didn't he didn't take the position as God, but you know what I mean, uh, comes down and tries to communicate this to people, knowing full well how to describe it, but always answers with the question and then gives these stories for them to wrestle with it. Because when they're able to wrestle with it, they get the revelation, the rhema word, uh, where then it produces action. So it is interesting. So if you look up on Netflix, it's like how the mind works. I think that's, that's where the Netflix documentary I watched on it. Really interesting. God, God knew what he was doing. But anyways, the, um, I had a buddy because I, I'm so, I was in the middle of reading this book, Agents of Apocalypse by Dr. D- David Jeremiah. And I, I was, when I'm reading something, I have to always talk about it. Like that's on my mind. Or if I listen to a podcast, that's on my mind. And then I just process it. And, um, I was talking to my buddy about it and he just was like, Oh bro. Like he was, he kind of was writing it off and was annoyed with what I was saying and trying to like jump to conclusions thinking I was some like uh, dude that was packing ramen noodles in his basement and, and storing water up uh, and realizing he was so like offended and didn't want to talk about it because his dad had always pushed fear with him and he was obsessed with it but did not live. Uh, he, he claimed to be a Christian but it was, he only wanted to talk about end times and his life did not reflect a life of Christ. And it was just very judgmental pointing out wrongs and people, they're going to burn up. They're going to do this. So it's people, I think, look at Christianity and this is what I hate. I hate, I hate. And yes, that's a strong word. When I see people posting stuff, because I think about people that don't know Jesus and they see that as Jesus, when people weaponize Christianity, uh, when they talk about the, the mark of the beast with everything and they're, they're pushing fear, but Jesus never did that. And in fact, when he was harsh with his words was with the religious people. It was never with people that were unaware. It's like yelling yeah. at a, like a kid that's. Well, and if you think of like, well, so let's talk of the mark of the beast. Yeah. Um, 666, right? That's the, what the, the technology is out there. I brought it up a few weeks ago and somebody sent me information on it which i had seen already i mean there are literal places where uh which is incredible about revelation because it says the mark will go in the back of the hand or in the forehead well Mm -hmm. they have found that the only places in your body that can sustain that is in your forehead or the back of your hand (laughs) that's crazy and that the technology is already created for it so when the pandemic happens you hear well the vaccine's got a chip in it and that's the mark of the beast and no, first of all, the mark of the beast was for finite. The revel, that's not add to Revelation. In fact, it says at the end of Revelation, mm-hmm. this it says, do not add to this because he yep. knew there would be people who would, could not resist the urge to add their opinion to it as if it was real. Um, it says it was for financial use and that they were required in order to do financial stuff. It was for financial use. And the mark of the beast was not put in place until after the, the Antichrist had already been revealed and after mm-hmm. the rapture. Mm-hmm. If you're a believer in yep. Christ, you are never going to, on the planet, mm-hmm. be presented with the mark of the beast unless you miss the rapture. Mm-hmm. And, 
uh, it's going to be during that period of time. I'm not telling you my opinion. Exactly. I am not telling you my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you what Revelation says. Yep. And we did a 28-week study on verse-by-verse study of Revelation and using all the other scriptures that kind of support them. And there was nowhere where it even, it, it was very clear that the mark was given after the Antichrist was revealed and after the rapture had already occurred. Because well, you, you look at all throughout the Bible, this is just like, you know, you look at when you know God, you know the character of God and you know how he's operated in the past. Now, that's not limiting him to a box, uh, but God is not trying to make it like it is. It is a road less traveled. But again, he sent messengers and he sent witnesses and he warned people and he's so patient. He's not going to trick you into like it's it's going to be a very simple thing just like it has like, to be a decision yeah it's yeah, just that's like the you're... tree of knowledge of good and evil <coughs> like it wasn't like oh i didn't know what right. this was right right you're making a conscious effort when exactly. you take the mark you're making a conscious effort i mean what is it called what's it called again the 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 what is it called again the mark of the what's it called the beast it's the mark of the beast where's the beast yeah. I mean, the beast has to be revealed first to have its mark. Mm-hmm. It, it, you could not have said it. It almost it just really irritates me because Christians, there are organizations out there that are not that are not godly organizations. There are wolves in sheep clothing mm-hmm. with an agenda to mobilize believers to follow their agenda. Mm-hmm. And they use biblical terms mm-hmm. to get people to follow it, yep. to stir up the fear because they mm-hmm. see when you get afraid, you mobilize yep. and you become a voice for them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the word of God, they play off the ignorance of scriptures. Mm-hmm. But but we know terms. We know words. We don't remember all the details, but you brought it up and you said that. And then all of a sudden... We're posting, reposting, we're preaching, all oh, the mark of the beast, and, and everything we're operating is out of is fear. See, this is the thing you have to understand. The end of times is coming. Could be today, could be right now, maybe in 10 years. But everything that has to happen for that to happen is going to happen. You can't, yeah. you aren't going to fight it, you aren't going to push it. It's like, Praise the Lord. If the mark of the beast is around the corner, that means the return of the Lord is nigh. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. Why are we fighting that? Yeah. Why are we thinking, well, I got to vote all that out? We got to get, we can't, it just, it's insane how we say we want to go up in the rapture, but we don't want to do anything that leads, we don't want to be a part of any of that, which is leads into that. And people think there's like this self, um, uh, when people hear what you're saying, I can hear it in my head. It's you're being seeker sensitive, Pastor James. Yes. Which is just a stupid statement in the first place because that's how Jesus was to you before you were, you know, he was seeker sensitive. But when when people think that if it's good, it, like it has to go over your head, but Jesus says in Matthew, I think it's 11, where he says, or he's thanking his father, he said, thank you for hiding this from the wise and revealing it to little children. Yeah. He thanks oh, his father so for good. that. Like man, my man, my, my lady, like 
he, he reveals it to little children, but hides it from the wise. And actually Christ was the stumbling block. It says he, he was the cornerstone. He was the stumbling block for the Jewish people because they were so in their head. They were so obsessed with the law. They knew the law, but did not even see the face of God that stood right before them. Don't get so caught up in the weeds and fall into the same trap that was used uh, on the Israelites where they were so obsessed with the law that they missed the face of the God. It, it even talks about, and I've said this before, uh, Paul talks about, I, I'm, afra- I'm afraid that you would be de- deceived by the serpent's cunning from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your sincere and pure devotion to Christ been deceived by the serpent's cunning. He's wise and he's crafty and he knows the word really well, but it's not meant to weaponize it. And if Jesus were here, the approach you're taking, look at the fruit of, of what this is bringing when you're preaching that, not to say that fear doesn't like, uh, you, you can't tell the truth. That's not what, what I'm saying in this, but what's the fruit on what you're Oh, I'm oppressed. I'm persecuted. I'm out in the corner saying God hates. There's a lot of words I can't say because I probably get flagged on YouTube from what you see on these corners that people are saying. It's like, what would it's maybe it's not, you know, the fruit of you getting your reward in heaven. Maybe it's your approach and you're actually working in opposition to Jesus and you're not working with them because it's a lot simpler. Well, it's not a matter. I, I, you know, people. I'll have people say, "Well, you're being seeker friendly, or sensitive, uh, or it's you're be complicated, or you're being just fire and br- brimstone." You just tell it. I have people say, "You, t- t- you, uh, you'll have both people tell you oh, you, yeah. you were that way in the same." This is biblical sim- sensitive. Mm-hmm. I'm a little sensitive to what the Bible has to say. Exactly. You can label it whatever you want, but the mark of the beast doesn't come until after the rapture. Mm-hmm. Fear. God does not operate in an economy of fear. Satan mm-hmm. does. Yeah. So anytime you're trying to use fear to scare people into believing what you believe, mm-hmm. you're not operating in the economy of heaven. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't use fear to do that. Jesus used love mm-hmm. to do that. He, you know, this is a married re- marriage relationship. It's pretty dysfunctional relationship if the reason you're married to Jesus is because you're afraid <laughs> of him. I mean, think of being, I'm afraid of my wife and I'm married to her because I'm afraid of what will happen to me if I don't stay married to her. Or why not be married to, is it a better relationship say I'm married to her because I just love her? Uh, It's pretty incredible how you can have a lot better life when you approach it that way. But (laughs) so there's stuff that's taking place on earth and Christ is coming because he loves people and he's trying to draw them by love and in fact in revelation it even refers to a second rapture that takes place all the while we're in heaven celebrating the marriage supper of the lamb and celebrating uh, the good works that we're bringing to the table and rejoicing with all of creation uh, with mm-hmm. with essentially angels and the believers and the disciples and the tribes and old testament new all together in one place um, it's going to be an incredible time uh, during that period of time. But it all leads to uh, what is called the Battle of Armageddon. And uh, I've been to Israel, and they have a, a, a valley uh, in which it's called Armageddon. Uh, they believe that's where it's prophesied that the battle would take place. I don't know that for sure. Um, 
it's crazy when you look at the valley, the valley to think that could happen there. It's, it's a vast valley. And it talks about the, the, the bear and, and, you know, coming down. That's what many believe Russia or the Soviet Union was that, at, you know, many years ago. And they come down from the north and the east and the four come together to fight in the Battle of Armageddon. And many people think we're going to come and then we're going we're gonna to radically destroy all of them. You aren't going to do anything. You aren't shedding blood. Um, the, there's a whole chapter on this that talks about this. Um, it says we're going to ride with Christ. And then out of Christ's mouth, the, 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 the sword <coughs> of his word. What happens is we were created, creation was put in place by his word, but we were created and then the breath of God put in us as humans. But when he comes back, there will be no sword drawn the, the, except for the sword of his word. And he will speak the word and literally, and I don't mean to be gross, but the whole armies, uh, this is kind of, in fact, this is where they got it from in um, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, when they looked into the Ark of the Covenant, there's, they, they actually created what this chapter taught. The skin began to dissolve away, the muscles, everything down to the bone, and then the bones were so sh crushed, they literally went back to dust. And at the sound of his word, and and it was it was displayed as best as Hollywood could do it in that movie, but that's actually what the that's where they got it from was that chapter like that the said Thanos that snap. the that yeah that the word he spoke a word and the word went out as a sword and literally they begin to dissolve before the armies of the Lord, and the wow. battle the battle of Armageddon is like no other battle that has ever been fought on the planet because there was really no f battle. It was, and the, in their arrogance, in the spirit of Satan, they were going to rise up against God. They were going to rise to the throne of God and take, just like Satan did, and they were cast to the ground, just like Satan was. Back to their creation, uh, back to their, <coughs> and, and this is the important thing to understand. Your body uh, may dissolve, but your soul is in eternity. It says in the Bible that eternity is in us. Your soul will last forever. It really will. It will never cease to exist, mm -hmm. which is why once then after the battle of Armageddon, there's a thousand year reign in which believers will reign. Uh, there were best understanding guess that there's not a whole lot on the millennium. Um, there will be babies, marriage, all of that stuff that were born during that po point in time. And, and the reason why they think a lot of that is because uh, Satan is released from the bottomless pit at that point. He's put into the bottomless pit at the Battle of Armageddon. He's released from the bottomless pit, and he tempts people who, and you say, so we could end up going to hell even after? No, but there are those who maybe were born during that, that have to make the decision for Christ hmm. at that point in time. And so that's where many believe that there is re procreation during millennial, during the millennial reign, which is a thousand year reign. 
Um, and then this is the part I want to get to. And it, you know, there's so much information. I mean, oh, it was a 28 a stu week study we did on this for an hour and a half each time. Um, but this is the abridged. Then you come to the great white throne judgment. And the great white throne judgment is the judgment where everybody comes to. It's where you heard the book of life and the books are opened. Mm -hmm. And even the righteous will come to this judgment. If their name is in the book of life, they will enter into the, into the new earth. We will not live in heaven forever. <coughs> there will be a new earth that will come. God's total order, order in the Garden of Eden was perfect. You can't improve on perfection. We will return to perfect but with not just Adam and Eve, you know, billions of people. Um, and at the, at the great white throne, if your name isn't in the book of life, it is not in the book of life. It's in the books. And, and I always say, because none of your, you, you've claimed you've kept all your sin, you will be put into the lake of fire. Now, David talks about it's the sea of forgetfulness or the lake of fire. They're synonymous with each other. The sea of forgetfulness, the lake of fire. That's important to remember because God really wipes the existence almost from his memory, just like he wipes your sin away uh, with the blood of Jesus as, as, as though it never happened. He blots it out. There is a place, a sea of forgetfulness. Whose forgetfulness? Ours and his. It's like totally wiped free. Like it's remembered no more. Hmm. Uh, in the sea of forgetfulness, he throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west, you know, in the sea of forgetfulness. Um, then it refers to the lake of fire. It, that, that where does your sin go? In the lake of fire. So this is the thing that's important. God does not send anyone to the lake of fire. This is the great lie. If there's a God, I don't believe, and he loves yeah. me, he won't send me to the lake of fire because he, he loves me. He won't do it. God doesn't, he does love you. He loves everyone, no matter how bad of a sinner you are. No matter how bad you are as a person, God loves you. Mm -hmm. You say, how can he love me all, after all the things I've done to people he loves? <clears throat> God loves you. That's just, how do I explain it? I can't. I don't have the capacity to do that other than the fact that God, when he puts love in me for people who are my enemies— <clears throat> and how can I love my enemy? I don't know, but he put that love in me for it. I can't describe how that happened. There's no understanding of how I got to the place of doing it, but he put it in me for my enemy. God loves you, even though you were an enemy of the thing he loved. But you went to the lake of fire. People will go into the lake of fire because they decided that they didn't want to let go of their sin. Mm -hmm. And the punishment for your death, your sin is the lake of fire. The only way you get into the lake of fire is you determine that Christ is not my Savior. I do not believe in my heart, nor confess with my mouth that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and my death. And you say, I'm going to hang on to it. I refuse to accept that, that gift he gives. And because of that, because that, you're in the book. And, and if you're in the book, that's the manifest for the lake of fire and you will board the train and there won't be anything that can happen at all at that point you have made your bed 
and you will lie on it. And I don't understand. I think God doesn't understand. In, in John 14, it says, he goes to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I think Jesus is like, I don't understand why people wouldn't make the decision to come and follow me. I don't understand. It's a free gift. I'm asking, it, it's eternal security in him mm-hmm. to, to, to receive the gift of salvation. And here's the thing about the lake of fire. And I've heard some people say it's only for a short time. Some will cease. You will cease to exist. You will never cease to exist. You were created to be an eternal being. You can't change that. So you'll be in eternity in heaven or you're or in, in the new earth, or you're going to be in eternity in the lake of fire. And it never ends. And you know what's worse about it? It doesn't matter how loud you cry in the lake of fire. He won't hear you because you're in the sea of forgetfulness. It's, it's as though you don't exist as you're in this eternal. Now, I don't know about you, but now do you know why Jesus did what he did on the cross? Why he paid the price he did? Because he knew how bad it was. He, and it wasn't punishment for you. It wasn't created for you. It was created for Satan and his angels that had rejected him. And all of sin and everything they've created is going to go with them. All of their empire and kingdom of Satan is going to go into that thing. And you're either choosing to be part of God's kingdom or his kingdom, Satan's kingdom. It's a choice. So when you think of the end times, it's a big deal. It is something that we should think about. It is something that, and then the, and the Bible ends saying there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a, a, a planet where there's no, uh, uh, where God wipes away the tear. Um, but where the lion and the lamb, they, they rest together. Why? Because there's no death. There is no death. What it's saying is, is the lion won't kill the lamb because there's no death. It doesn't exist just as it was in the days in the garden of Eden. Uh, what we eat is fruit that literally sustains us for eternity. I I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible return to the garden of Eden, Mm -hmm. but in a whole new a level of capacity because there's way more people. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so when you think of the end times, that's a pretty brief just map of what it, what it looks like. Yeah. So um, am I allowed to give them that resource? Would you approve that? The Dr. David Jeremiah? Yeah. Um, so Pastor James. <clears throat> there's approved. also... It's, there's also Hal Lindsey, who is now passed on, is another one <coughs> who has taught on it. Be very careful what you look at yeah. on YouTube. There's all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff out there, and it's crazy. Now, no one agrees on everything, yeah. but there are basic, big-bone things, mm-hmm. like like the, the things that are foundational to this, yeah. and you need to guard your heart in that because the enemy will deceive you through it. And you will, you got to be careful too. Um, if you're a new believer, um, I would advise not to be looking at, I know people are like, you know, as a new believer, I, I know for me, I'm not discipling someone uh, like, hey, let's start in Revelation. Uh, now, Maybe that's just my thing, but I'm like, hey, let, no, let's start at Jesus first. You're, you're the way, the truth, the life, your let's security. Start in John, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, did I say start in Jesus? Yeah. I meant start with Jesus. Yeah. Let's start in the book of Jesus. Uh, it's all his book. Um, yeah. But I careful because 
you, you'll go down such a rabbit hole if you don't have the the main thing, the main thing. And if you're out of order, you are going to be faced with a lot of like anxiousness because there's so much information on it and a ton of opinions on it. And people, like I said, they've weaponized the book of Revelation. So uh, you have Dr. David Jeremiah, uh, Agents of Apocalypse. I'm a simple person. Uh, I like dramatizations and, and, and reality. What is that? What is that like? Uh, I want to know. And then it breaks down in the scripture what he's talking about. He's not adding to the book, but he's, he's describing what it could look like. And then he'll talk about it in scripture. And then there is, what was the guy's well, name Well, if you're, you know, that really helps if you're looking at it from a, a very, like a, it really kind of puts flesh on it. If mm-hmm. you're looking to really know the bones yeah. of it. Uh, Hal Lindsey does a verse-by-verse verse study of Revelation. It it takes a long time, but it you're going to have a real grasp of some things, and he's kind of been a leader in that um, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, lastly, I've said this in the past, but if you listen to the Bible, I, I recommend this to a, a lot of people that, you know, struggle. for me, I, I struggle listening to the old British guy uh, on the Bible app. I can't listen. I get so bored. And with the music in the background, it's like the, the music they play in like massage parlors. Um, yeah, you know, you know, actually, uh, there is a, there was a CD Bible and I don't know if it's digital. I think it's, it has, um, Morgan Freeman is one of the readers what? of it and they just read the scriptures in their uh, uh, and there's a different people who speak on it. it it's an orange and yellow. I don't know how hard it would be to find it, but it was CDs when I bought it. And mm-hmm. I'd stick it in my—I had a CD player in one of my, my old Tacoma that I had, and I would put that in there and just let them play. So you're hearing Morgan Freeman. You're hearing uh, Olivier Poirier or all those guys that have that In the beginning, <laughs> watch the world. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, that's maybe what, not like that, but <laughs> similar. <laughs> so Streetlights um, is kind of like that. Not Morgan Freeman, but they're a nonprofit organization, I think, based in Chicago. And uh, they put uh, beats behind the music uh, catering to the mood that is going on. So if you're reading the Gospels based on the mood that's that's happening, whether he's facing like the religious leaders uh, and he's confronting them, they do different voices and there's change of tone and pace with the beats and music behind it. So it feels like you're actually there. Um, I know it's really helped with guys that newly came to, to Christ in my group. Um, to help them get a better grasp and it feels like it's applicable to their lives like oh that makes sense now because it's in common english uh but it is esv so they it's 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 a really easy thing to listen to and for me again i need stories and it sounds like a story so if you want to uh do that for a revelation throw it on in the car uh street lights and then they have all their 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 uh chapters and books uh laid out for you but that's uh what we got today i don't know how long this is but Hopefully this uh, made an impact on your life. If you have any uh, questions, things that you want us to talk about, uh, email me at pastoralex at bethelsrock.org because this is fun for us. We want to discuss some of the things that you're talking about. We want to know what's going on in your life and what's going on in your brain with your walk with Christ. So share that with us. Share some wins uh, with this podcast is done. We'd love to share that from uh, week to week as well. So God bless you guys. We love you. Uh, We will see you next week.